Welcome to the Midwest Frontier Podcast, formerly known as Whistle Mission Outdoors. I am Jim. And I'm Pat. And this is a podcast dedicated to anything in the outdoors in the Midwest. We like to cover hunting, fishing, conservation, a little bit of opinion, and a little bit of lifestyle. We like to talk about the touchy and hot topics. Anything controversial that involves the outdoors. Each week we try to have a segment with Bushlight Billy where he goes over a recipe or a tip or a trick for cooking. There's so much to talk about, so come and join us on the Frontier. How you feeling, Bill? I'm 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 getting out of it. I'm slowly but surely recovering. You want to tell everybody what you did? So are, are you Coors Light Billy now? Uh, no, no I still drink Bush Light. Oh. I went to uh, the Blink One Eighty Two concert last night. I got Snapchats. Good old Tommy sent me Snapchats. Don't yeah, you love was, when uh, people send you like a million Snapchats of a concert and you're like, oh great? No, I got Snapchats of Bill. Oh, <laughs> wow, what was I doing in the Snapchats? Uh, the one I remember specifically, you were high fiving strangers. Oh yeah, but I was I was uh. I, me and Cal were talking about it because, like, when Bill gets in a social situation, just lets loose. Yeah. Every wedding, every. How'd you get there? Uh, so I took a girl, Tommy's old RA, Dawn. Uh, she drove me. She doesn't really drink, so. But uh, I'm digging the stash too. Yeah, thanks. I told him to do that. I said, "Man, you're, you're like, there's not a lot of people that could pull off a stash, but I think Bill could pull. I off think a Bill stash. could pull off a stash. I think you'd look awesome with one. I think you got to shave this. I, yeah, you know, I really do think you'd be." Pretty pretty sweet with the stash. Like you look pretty good. You look uh, like a man. But yeah, it was I didn't a good see. Time. I thought I saw just the stash. I didn't see that he had a whole beard because the mic was blocking his face. Hey, well, later on, I did promise everybody a homework assignment. Did you look this up? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes, I did. All right. What else do we want to talk about? So, like I said last week, I was getting over getting sick. You know, you and, still uh, got a tiny bit of nasal in you. I, I for some reason my whole life that lasts weeks. Oh, me too. Me too. I get so congested, so bad, and yeah, right now I'm also a little dry. Me and Pat just got done after several hours of being in the sun, and I think I'm the only one that took a sip of water the whole time we were out there, Pat. I didn't no, see I, I, I drank a Diet Pepsi. I forgot my water. I said water, not Diet Pepsi. No, I know, but I drank some sort of fluid. <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot my water in the car, so I'm just out there like, Ugh. It was a warm day today, too. But uh, me and Bill went out fishing Friday night. Did you know that? No. Yeah, yeah. Went to the why? Went to the local uh, wading area. Yeah, their local wading area. Yeah, the local creek. Oh, yeah. So, so funny thing is, Pat. Now hear hear this out. So once again, I'm going back to like the late '90s, early 2000s, like where my brain is stuck in for fishing knowledge. You yeah. know. And so me and Bill were like, all right, because we're we're trying to start, you know, knocking off the list of the trash fish fish fry. So the one spot we were going to, I'm like, I know there's a ton of carp. I've seen at least two or three, you know, and it turns out there was, I mean, how many do you think were actually in that hole? I said two or three. Well over a dozen. Well over a dozen, at least like, I'd say on a small end, what, 24 inches, 28 inches? Yeah, that would be a small one, but there was like a couple three footers in there. Yeah. Anything? So it's funny. So with that, with that being said, all right, we're going to go to the creek. We're going to do a little smallmouth fishing, but we're going to really go try and land a carp. I tell Bill, go to Walmart and get a tub of Uncle Josh's carp bait. Remember this stuff? Oh, yeah. It was oh. like it was like all this like mush that you carve out of there with your pocket knife and mash onto the hook. It's like the color of a redhead mixed with like the color of skin, and it's oh, just really? all mushed. In peanut like butter. A, yeah. yeah, it is like a, it's like a real hard tack peanut butter. It's like a bloody looking peanut butter. Yeah, they didn't have it. Yeah, so he he says, well, he, he gets to my house. I'm like, all right. So I'm expecting to bring like stuff for bottom fishing for carp. You know. He's like, no, 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 we're not carp fishing. I'm like, well, you said you went to Walmart to get that stuff. He says the only thing they sell anymore is stink bait. They don't sell the carp stuff. Yeah, I bought a bag of catfish bait. And I'm like, what? I heard corn works real well. 
corn yeah corn would work yeah corn work but like it was just it was just amazing to me that you can go to Walmart. remember how that stuff was just oh, yeah. everywhere you couldn't go anywhere they sold fish and stuff without finding uncle came josh's in this tub it looks like it looks like what would like trans grease it looks like really oh you no know that, you know that tub of trans grease like for assembling transmissions Oh, I was going to say, to me, it reminded me of something almost like a cottage cheese container. Is what oh, I was yeah. No, that same yeah. container. Same yeah. container, yeah. They might have it at like Bass Pro, but I didn't see it at Walmart. But it's just, but that was the thing. Is that That's where you went and got it, you know? Yeah. As a kid, we go to Walmart, and it was right, and it, was, it wasn't just like there was one or two of them. I mean, there was a shelf full of them. Oh, yeah. you could you leave know? the lid off of that shit, and it would still stink. Remember the Kmart over there that... You know where yeah. Mariano's used to be in on uh, Eleventh. Um, Kmart. What an what an old thing now. I remember going there and like getting fish and stuff, and then just fishing in the uh, wolf wolf. What do they call that? Wolf Wildlife Preserve. Oh, you mean over in like Chicago Ridge? Yeah, or well, right where I used to live. Yeah, so, but like uh, the oh, Kmart yeah. on Hundred Eleventh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bingo. Yeah, it always smelled like like carp bait in the fish fishing section. It always stunk. Yeah, I just was amazed that. You went there and there was none. It wasn't even an option. That you know? that was like the cr- that was like the closest store that we had. We never went to it as a family. We never went to that one. Yeah, we did. Very seldom. I remember back in probably 1998, I got a blue CD player from there. It was. I a, remember that. Yeah. Remember the blue one? It was like you can see through it blue. Like yep. you see all the stuff going on inside and stuff. That came from that Kmart. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I remember I had corn. I don't remember the name of the CD with corn, but remember when corn was real big in the late 90s? Oh, yeah. yeah. The Untouchables. Uh, no, I don't think it was The Untouchables. What was the one before The Untouchables? The uh, one the that, uh, oh, man. You don't know? Yeah, you do. Their, their most popular songs were on. Oh, Freak on a Leash. And yeah. When, was, that, was that the name of the album, maybe? I think that might have been. I think that was the name of the album. Yeah. But I remember <laughs> playing that coming out of Kmart. You got to get a bunch of double A's because they last like an hour in there. Yeah, and right. Just smoke them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, what else you guys got? Kmart. Sorry, we got off on a Kmart tangent there. I just totally forgot that ever existed. That was just how we bought stuff as yeah. kids, you know? I don't think Kmart's even around anymore. How was the fishing section in Walmart? Like, were you were you impressed, not impressed? I haven't been in Walmart in like a year or so. No, I wasn't really impressed. It was still... I mean, did they have me. anything? Yeah, it was just like one aisle of... Uh, they've got your, you know, typical, they've got a red handful and white bobber. Of, yeah, red and white bobber, a handful of crankbaits. You know, how many people go into Walmart and saying, you know what, I'm going to buy some catfish bait. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, back in the day, a lot. Point zero 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 three percent. We'd be standing in Walmart and there was three aisles of fish and stuff and you're walking around, everybody looking at it. And now it's there's down to one aisle and you got it to yourself. That, it just amazes me. Yeah, it was know? just one aisle. You can get little fishing starter kits and stuff like that. Was, yeah, Zebco. Yeah. The old Zebco push button. Yeah, Zebco Dude, 202. I'd, oh, the push button. They made push buttons, didn't they? Oh, big time. It, it, Walmart used to have like racks of them, you know? Really? Because oh, yeah. I had a Zebco uh, spin, yeah, spinner. Um, yeah. The the one thing I was gonna say last week, I uh, Heideki, you know, we, we always said they closed the launch and yada yada, and it actually happened to us. And we didn't know it. Me and Evan drive all the way out there, boat behind us, ready to go, and we had all our stuff geared up just for fishing there, and the launch was closed. Was it just because of the wind? It was projected. So I was reading online if it if it's projected throughout the day, or what's it? We're not projected, but uh, whatever. Forecasted. Uh, forecasted. Anywhere part in the, any part of the day, if it's going to be over 25 mile an hour, they're going to close it. That makes sense. It's a safety so, thing, you know? Well, so we ended up pulling an audible and going down the street to this old strip mine that I've wanted to try. I've talked to you guys about it before. I'm like, hey, let's just try it. I did not want to try it in the Lund. I was not excited about that part, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, we we went in there and the wind was so strong. And I'm like, I'm glad we're not on Heideki right yeah, now. Yeah, right. I'm glad they told us we couldn't go. 
you know. Dan and I were out there the day before, and it was windy. I mean, it, it was yeah, in patches. I bet you they were almost closed at that day. Yeah. I bet you uh, they the, were. The waves were very big. They were white caps, for sure. That's a dangerous place to be when it's, when it's white capping. It's just because, like, it's just a big strip that goes, like, the direction that our weather system usually comes from, southwest. You know what I mean? Well, then, and then, then there's, no, that way. there's no break. There's yeah. no, like, and then the shallow water that kicks up easy with wind, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, that would be a dangerous place to, to be. They, I remember back when I first got my first boat, we were talking to a DNR guy out there. He says, we lose a boat or two out here a year. Yeah. It just rolls over out there. I'm like, mm-hmm. here? You know? Yeah. He's like, yep. He says, that shallow water kicks it up. They say the same thing on like Lake Winnebago and stuff. That shallow water, the waves move instantly, you yep. know? Huh. So what else we got? I got a few things to go over, but what else you guys got? Tell me about your guys' weeks. So I bought a uh, 45, or I have a Minn Kota 45-pound thrust. Now, insert your insults here. Yes, it was probably a stupid idea to get a, a 45-pound thrust for my 16-foot boat. But Mine's uh, 55. Yeah. So, but that same day at Heideke, in the wind, I had it on the fourth of five speeds, and I'm going backwards. That's amazing. That's hmm. amazing to me. It wouldn't keep up a 45-pound... But the, the reason why I'm so amazed by that is because mine would still at least keep up with those wins on three, and yours couldn't bucket at four. Right. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I got to looking, and uh, I haven't tried it yet. We were on the gym <coughs> boat today. But th- have you ever seen the Minn Kota props, like the stock ones? The, just the ones that come on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They're very small, and they're two blades, and, but they're just very small. They, they don't have a lot of pitch to them. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, right. right. So you're thinking that, like, I mean, I could have stuck my head underwater and blown bubbles and done more. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. So I went and looked, and I got a real high-pitched three-blade that's supposed to add, like, 15% power. No kidding. So. That's it, huh? 15%? And it's supposed to be weedless, and it's, you know, none of them They always are weedless. say weedless. Yeah. N- zero no of them are weedless. weedless. Let me show you a few spots. We're going to yeah. test this weedless theory. They got yeah. the words wrong. It should be less weeds, not weedless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're less likely to get 10 pounds. You're only going to get five pounds yeah. of weeds and. <laughs> Certain you're spots. You're still going to be slopping it up. I took Pat back to this backwater today. Because, like, oh, so we got a video coming out. Hopefully, if all the production goes okay. But we actually did a thing on motors on drift boats. I've been wanting to do this because I told him when I was buying it, there was nothing. So I did one of my own. But uh, but just for instance, I took him back to this backwater day that I fish all the time. You know the one I'm talking about. Yep, yep. And uh, we were looking for pike. And I did, I did have a pike come right out. I mean, it was a boat side hit me to you away. I was about to pull out of the water. Bam! Pat's like... It was a good splash. You know, yeah. like a little explosion out there. He Pretty wasn't... Cool. I saw him. He wasn't that big. 24, 26 inch. Enough somewhere to get you excited. Oh, yeah, Enough yeah. Enough to keep coming back. And uh, But he exploded out of the shallow stuff. But anyway, we're back there the whole time. You cannot go in the spot we were in with a trolling motor. Not happening. No, no kidding. Way. How about it, Pat? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were in... We were in maybe eight inches of water, and that's not an exaggeration. We were maybe in eight inches of water, and then like probably two feet of silt. Oh, So this stuff was silted up so high that you probably only had about eight inches of clearance from the top of the water line to the... Wow. Oh, the one thing I got to have... I want to have Pat tell you the description of so bad. We're going to do this right now, okay? What's that? We saw a guy on a kayak today on the way back, and Pat just went off the rails talking about this guy, this poor guy. You want to, I want to hear what you had to say about this guy. <laughs> you could tell he's. I could tell by looking at him. Well, so this guy's. You're talking about the kayak guy, right? <laughs> okay. So this guy's out there with the kayak, and I know this. I know this guy. I am this guy sometimes. Yeah. You know, but so this guy goes out, and I, this is just an assumption. And friend, if you listen to the podcast, I'm sorry, uh, but I've been here. 
You know what I mean? You're, you're, you get home from work and you're like, what am I going to do? What is there to look up? Oh, my kayak. I, what, what Dad always I, needs a research project, mm-hmm. you know? So, and sometimes you end up buying this shit, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and uh, so this guy's sitting there, he's researching this stuff. This is my assumption. Please be aware of that. <coughs> um, you know, oh, well, you know, what kind of kayak defines me as a person? Okay, well, I need the, you know, oh, I'm a sportster, so I'll get the sportster model. And you know what I mean? So this guy loads down this kayak with a trolling <laughs> motor. Battery, Dude, probably he had four depth finders. He had a motor guide front mount motor, just like the one on the front of my Lund. He had one as fancy as that, screwed to the front of a kayak. Oh my god! And Jim's Jim's thing would make that kayak go, you know, Mach three. Yeah. And this thing is just loaded down, and he says, "Yeah, sometimes I got water coming in." It's like, dude. If you've got water coming in a kayak, you've got too much crap in your kayak. Well, <laughs> so like he had a kayak that sat. It was a sit on top that sat way high off the water. Yeah. But he, the one thing I just happened to look over, and I at the moment I looked over, this guy was pulling back for a cast, and he was trying to do like one of those little rod flip things like that. Yeah. The lure hit the rod, tangled around the rod. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, it happens. But, but this guy, but you could just tell he did not know what he was doing casting. So we, we, the part Pat's leaving up is when we pull up next to this guy, he's like, yeah, I just got this thing. I just bought this thing. Oh, yeah, boy. trying to work the bugs out of my kayak. Dude, there, was like, a, there was a monster screen on there, a front-mount troller. This guy is dressed to the gills in like professional fishing gear type stuff. Yeah. And there's just all kinds of like equipment on this kayak. And this guy's never even been in one. Little gizmos and so, gadgets. and There's this spectrum of when you get into stuff. And I know this because I have like 15 hobbies, and I got into all of them. And... But there's the spectrum where you can start real cheap, where you get the Fisher Price, just like Daddy's Golf Clubs, or you can go out and buy the best shit, right? There's a happy medium in there somewhere. You don't want to buy the cheapest, and you don't want to buy the most expensive. You want to be somewhere in the middle where you're going to be happy for a long period of time, right? So, But this guy went all the way to the one side. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to get you know my my Helix 14. If this guy spent 10 grand on it, I would not be the least bit surprised. Oh, my. What kind of kayak? I couldn't tell. It's something I've never seen, but it was at least the size of your uh, old town. But he had outriggers. Your big predator. And we were, you know, we were wondering about the outriggers. This thing's got outriggers. And this guy, you could tell he's sitting as straight up as he possibly could. (laughs) To catch him, I'm not going to move the arch of his back. You know what I mean? Like, Imagine you're sitting in a kayak while you're being swarmed by sharks trying to eat you. How would you sit inside that kayak? That's how this guy was. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of this guy. I've, we've all been that guy where we get all spooled up and you you dress like the other people. You do all that stuff and you think, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to kill this thing, right? Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes the lead up was more than, you know, kind of like Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy spent seasons one through six getting all his stuff set up. And then season seven, he just, just goes out there and flops. Yeah. You know what I mean? When when the big climax is supposed to happen, like when he starts going out there and fishing, it's but he, just one of those things. It's, he got he got into talking about the outriggers. So we saw this guy coming for a while. Because we, we literally rode. You know where the old dam is. Mm-hmm. We rode back. Fishing really? the shoreline. Yeah. Oh, wow. Real quick, I'm going to insert this right here. I've been meaning to say this. That boat is awesome. I'm talking Jim's boat. The, you know, dr- the, the one that crack. costs less than this kayak. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the one that caused less than this kayak, but I've never seen a boat that would rather get pushed by the wind upstream than get pushed by the current downstream. Mm-hmm. And the current at the displays isn't exactly a trickle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but I just I thought that was amazing. I really didn't think that was possible. Well, it's like a uh, it's like a paper cl- cup floating on the water. The wind will blow it before it. You know, the current. And, does. of course, there's always something where, like, yeah, hurricane force winds are going to push you up a river. Totally get it. 
but it today wasn't quite that. It was breezy out there. It was breezy, but I didn't think it was enough to push us upstream. But it pushed us upstream like no problem. Yeah, and like it would like a general current going downstream, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. The I only the it. only time that the boat would actually have to fight is going underneath the bridge where the current narrows real far down and it gets going. Yeah, we down. fought under the bridge pretty good. But uh but yeah, Pat, like, didn't take anything to get out of there. He oh no. He couldn't believe how maneuverable that thing was. Oh god, yeah. One In little fact, kiss. We're, we're talking now. Uh, we're yep, talking finesse gone. after this anyway, right? After all the talking points, we're going to talk about finesse. Yeah. I I want I I was thinking more about it more in the context of fishing. Well, I figured I thought like well, finesse goes with a lot of things. Oh, absolutely. I got finesse for every aspect of my life, really. So I anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but the one thing with the outriggers. So we we see this guy coming a long way off. And I'm like, he's got outriggers out on that kayak. And we're like looking, uh, whatever. We just let it go. And uh, we get closer, we get closer. Finally, the guy said something about how he took water in. He says, they say these things are stable. And I said, yeah, those things are usually pretty stable. Yeah. That's what I, everyone says. You can tell he's reading reviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy had outriggers and he was taking on water. And have you ever taken water in on your kayak? No. I've never taken never. water in, ever. Yeah, but Bill, did you have a 50-pound trolling motor? Paired with a eighty pound battery. <laughs> no. Paired with sixty pounds of electronics. You know what I mean? Yeah, he no. said he literally said he had to go to shore to dump out the kayak. That's what he told us that. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. In that river too. So it's not even like a real river, you know? I, I get why people want to go out on a kayak, but a kayak is this thing that you're supposed to throw in the back of your truck, throw in the water and get out there fishing. I was talking you you were the first kayak angler I knew, Bill. Yeah. And like, but I think about back in the day, it was a 10 foot thing. He threw it in the back of the old 1990 blazer. Blew out the windshield. Blew out the windshield. windshield. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly did. You and Mike both did it. Yep. (laughs) The same way, the same angle, the same everything. (laughs) The same spot in the windshield. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but then you, so you'd throw this thing in or grab a life jacket, a rod and a a little box of lures. And you guys went out and caught a ton of fish. Yep. Now, but look what it evolved into now. Oh, I know. The they're all everything's got a trolling motor they got those paddles with you know your feet feet paddles or whatever well that's the thing they went to great lengths to make sure you didn't have to paddle them like a kayak they yeah. made a kayak that you don't have to paddle like a kayak they went to great lengths and people spent all kinds of money on it i it, know it's just amazing but what's what amazes me is we could do with jim's drift boat it is simply the easiest boat to launch i mean you've been in it you've mm-hmm. launched it and picked it back up but it, it is easier than a kayak I'm it not is, kidding. That clack of craft is easier than a kayak. I would agree. Yeah, it is. And oars, if you gave somebody oars out of a, you know, if we're rowing, yeah. take all the trolling motor and foot things out of it, I I can go at least as fast with that clack of craft as somebody can in a kayak. So if, if you were really ripping on that thing, I bet you, you could do five miles an hour. Oh, we've done five miles an mm-hmm. hour, you know? Yeah. Like it's insane. Uh, I would say that's about it. Wouldn't you say? That's, I yeah, mean, that's about top speed. I okay. Would say. Five miles an hour for rowing a not. There's no keel on that. Boat. It's sm- a smooth bottom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I bet you could row that thing five miles an hour very easily. G- Jim was just gingerly pushing us up a river where that, I mean, the wind was helping us, obviously, but it didn't take any energy to get all the way back. Oh, no. And he'll get you where, right where you need to be, too. Mm. Oh, I love rowing, dude. Like, it's way better than a trolling motor. Like, me and Pat were talking about it. Like, just trolling motors on rivers. What a pain. Oh, God. You know? It is. Especially like to push you one way or the other. The one thing like with rivers, I had a hard time getting Pat on board. Finally, he was going. But I could never get Evan on board. But you want to throw slightly in the boat as you're going into the current. It's like, oh, I'm snagged. We don't have to go back up the current now to get it. Mm-hmm. We're still coming down to it. Right. You know? It's just wrapping up the, the kayak thing. It's like 
I feel like you get into kayaking because everything about it is easy. Getting it there is easy. Launching it is easy. It's cheap Fishing too. with it's easy. It's cheap. A cheap, cheap alternative to owning a boat. So, but everything you if add you do to it, right. it, if you do it right, everything you add to it from that point on makes it <coughs> more cumbersome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, just but there's a lot of old towns now that are set up with little motors and stuff or whatever. But I mean, starting price is twenty three hundred dollars. Oh, for every yeah. You know, but you could you could buy a nice little John boat or something for twenty three hundred bucks. Yeah, you could buy a little V boat, and then but then you could take your friends with you. You spend that on a kayak, and then you're done. You have no unless your buddies do it. You're out there by yourself, right? And I, I'm not out there thinking all this stuff, thinking like my thoughts are superior. I'm not <laughs> one of those. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, like, there is a happy medium that's got to be struck somewhere in here for you to be happy. We got such a kick out of that guy. And then there was two dudes that were catching fish that we launched with. I picked Pat up as they were pushing theirs off. Mm-hmm. Those guys were doing it right. And well, they had exactly the setup like how you did. They just oh no kidding. Yeah, I didn't see a fish finder or nothing. And these guys were drifting all the way down to the next town. Yeah. And but they were catching bass, you know. No kidding. Good and uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking that's what it's supposed to be. These guys had paddles, and mm-hmm. like that's what it's supposed to be. But the kayak thing has taken a direction where you can have all the stuff in your regular boat, all of the stuff in your regular boat, and you could squeeze it into this kayak, and that you know, bang. And the your beautiful fish. thing is, you get to fish by yourself only. You can't take your wife, can't take kids, can't take a buddy. I when you help. need a trailer for one kayak, you need a boat. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Well, as soon as it gets to the trailer moment, it's now time to go to like the bigger thing. Yeah. Because like the whole the whole size advantage. Now you've got a kayak trailer that holds like three kayaks, right? Yeah. We can so, rig it so it holds three. Yeah, that's a completely different scenario. I bet we could rig it so it holds four. Yeah, we probably could. But one kayak you that you can toss in the back of a truck normally. Uh, if you need a trailer to haul that kayak, you might as well get a boat like the drift boat. Yeah. Yeah. The drift boat is just this perfect medium between big boat and kayak. You know what I mean? Well, wait till we do a float trip. We got to do that. I was telling them the three of us got to go do a float trip this summer. You know, down... Down the Kankakee. Down the old dupe or the Kankakee, yeah. You still want to do the 10 horse on that thing? I think the 10 horse on that thing will make that thing scream. We could try the 10 horse on it. Yeah. yeah we could oh, try man. it. That thing's gonna, Dude, that thing's going to turn. It's going to hum right along. along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's that 10 horse is super smooth. Oh, I'm so. willing to try it. It's, it's just a Yamaha in disguise, you know? Yeah. But are you going to have enough transom to clamp that thing on there? We're going to find out. I was wondering about that, you know. Because the plate that the Tahatsu, right? Or to, what's the... Yeah, Tahatsu. The the plate that the thing's mounted to is like barely big enough for the, the, for the Tahatsu. I don't know if it's going to be big enough for a 10. Well, we'll find out. The other thing I want to talk about is, uh, well, one, we got to figure out a recording schedule, but two, we got the White Bass Run this week. Correct. As you're listening to this, we were actually spending our first day in the White Bass Run. Yeah. It'll be the first day... Of our little trip there, so I will not be attending the White Bass Run because I do not have enough vacation time because I'm getting married this year. You're missing a good time. You're missing a good time. Right. I'll do it next year. Hopefully, yeah. We got to do a few different trips next year, but hopefully Benny will be coming on this in a few years. But between bachelor parties and wedding, I there's just no time to spend on that. Like getting a bill in the mail, you know. But and you're going to be back by Saturday, right? Uh, yeah, Saturday night because we got our first Mother's Day. So there's just like zero point for me to go. If I'm if I'm gonna be able to go oh like definitely if you if you're not gonna be up there with us on uh, Thursday, even like Friday night I'd say it's a waste because I'm literally gonna wake up Saturday. I want to go out because I don't have to be home like Saturday. So we're gonna be I'm gonna go out in the morning. And, but if, if the water is all chopped up like last year, yeah, then I'm not interested. Yeah, by Saturday it was just 
the amount of boats that were rolling through there was just outrageous. We were wondering, we're like, man, we're not catching anything. Like yesterday, we slayed them. It was fish after fish after fish. You know, like you'd have those segments for like 20 minutes, everybody's on. You know, and then you go two hours without anything, and then everybody's on. But Saturday, we couldn't find them. We just couldn't find them. Nope. And that, that water was so turned over with all these boats. And they, they weren't just like, Pat, these weren't just like 18-foot Lund boats. These things were, I mean, how big were some these of these were 21-foot Rangers rolling through there, like but screaming even, past you. I'd say even bigger than that, some of these were like cabin boats. Like these were mon- These were big, big boats, you know. But we got this weight coming, and then you see the shoreline, and it's all churned up. You're fishing this eddy flow because they like the eddy flows. And so we were fishing an eddy most of the time. And you just look, and you just watch the garbage that these guys just washed in, just floating around in there. Yep. Well, you like know? today, I mean, you couldn't see your lure in the water today, and this plane's more than, what, four inches? Pat was going to tease me about something on the podcast, but he hasn't done it yet. No, okay, I was going to tease him, and then I did it myself, so there's <laughs> nothing to tease. Jim was Jim casted into, like, three trees today. Really? Yeah. The one, the one was a bomb cast. The one was you could put it on the board. You know, yeah. there was. A, I mean, I threw it, uh, this rattle trap. I got bit off by a big pike today. Mm-hmm. That rattle trap was this big. Ooh, that is a big one. Gone. He he hit up on shore, and I thought it was like a stick. Like I was ripping it through a stick. You know how a stick kind of yeah. as it's letting go. And then we got it like right next to the boat, and I'm like, hey, look at this, look at this. And I go to set the hook. Bam, nothing. Gone. You did you lead him up to the boat? He must have just kept hitting it a long way because I got it right next to the boat and I never like, even saw him. Did you see him? You never, you never mm. seen him until he was off? Because I saw, I saw his body when you pulled it. Oh, was he big? Um, I, I would say probably in the mid twenties. Oh, is that 20s. it? He took a big, he took a big rail trap and bit it off. No, I'd, I'd probably say late twenties. He had, he had. I'm judging that purely off of the height of his body. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Well, but you were hooked up into a. Uh, carp yesterday or Saturday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Friday. So, yeah, I, was, I told all that carp stuff without getting into the moral of the story. So, we oh, get out crap. there and I tied into a carp once again, thought it was a stick. So, I was just kind of like jiggling it. It was a carp. He's like, You got a carp on. So, I'm like, I go to set the hook on, you know? Yeah. So, we still need carp. I saw everything. So, leaders? What's that? Leaders? Is that the big lesson today? No, he just he he hit it and then he spit it out. Carp will oh. spit, spit the hook. I thought it was, I was trying to get it off. I thought it was on, because like, you'd have to see it. So I threw this fly past this, like, like this almost like a root ball in the water. Oh, this was a fly. Yeah, I was. Oh, okay. this was in the creek the other day. And then so I'm, I'm pulling this fly back. And about where this root ball is, maybe a stick coming off, I was kind of expecting it. So I was kind of like raising the fly up, trying to get it up. And uh, then all of a sudden, the line takes off sideways. I'm like, oh, that's a fish. Bill's like, you got a carp on. And because we really wanted to catch carp, you know. So I'm like, well, I'm still going to try because they, they'll eat a clouds or minnow. So I'm still going to try it. That's where we were going with the carp thing earlier. Yeah. I don't know how we got off of that. But, oh, but back to the tree thing real quick. So Pat was rowing, and I'm just rowing cast. But there was this one spot I wanted, but it was a bomb cast. So I wind up. And, and, and most, most rattle traps have a dark back, so they're very hard to see in the air. Yeah. So. Oh, no, the cast was perfect. The cast was absolutely perfect. What I did not account for is this little tree that grew off, off to the side, and it went all the way around this whole group of branches. We got it back. You know? No kidding. And then yeah. Pat's like, I can't wait to say that on a podcast later. Well, Jim, you do? know, Jim always gives us crap. He's like, you're going to cast it right into that tree. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. And I mean, I'm, I don't know if you cast into trees, but he always gives me crap if, if I did it five years ago. You know what I mean? Well, Pat, so right after he got down, done with that, I'm on the oars, and he's throwing lures, and he threw a fastball, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, right I, threw a, I threw a tall loop-de-loop, and I just didn't see And I caught this one twig, like, on the very outside of it, yeah. and I closed the bale at the perfect point. Man, he's being generous. To do a trapeze around the tree. Oh, yeah, so there, well, that was the second time. 
Yeah, so this one went around and just like pinwheeled and then... Oh, no. Oh, the first time I got caught into the tree, yes, it was a line drive. But <laughs> was it, it, ju- it just knocked a leaf off. The only it didn't time get stuck in the tree. I have the worst luck with getting stuff stuck in trees. Remember in Hayward, was it two years ago? and got that, I forget what it was, a spoon stuck in a tree. And we're hitting it with the paddle. And we're hitting it with the paddle trying to get it down. Finally, we hit the branch enough and it falls right on my phone cracks the screen <laughs> <laughs> the lure yeah the yeah. lure oh, broke man. my phone i couldn't get on there and oh, it was a oh nightmare. man what yeah, a we're bad... like we're, and we're looking like a bunch of jackasses out there yeah. oh that's some bad luck um that's some bad luck. let me just raise this up there you go oh, that's perfect. easier now isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah but that was that was up north huh yeah that was in hayward okay i remember exactly i remember the tree shabanaw comes to my mind when we talk about that no, because remember I was trying to call call work because we were going to stay an extra day, oh, and I was like, yeah. I got to use your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'd love to get all jazzed up about Shabana, but I just don't think I can. No, I got I got other things I'm more jazzed up about now. Yeah, but. me too. I, no, I mean like Shabana is great, but like it's not worth the drive for us. Not, no, but it's not worth the time. I mean, it's not. I think if you could spend, if you could be within, if you could, if you could be there in a half hour or so, and you can learn that lake, I think you can catch some serious fish. But we go there what once. Twice a year, you're just not going to learn that lake. It, it is a pretty difficult lake to fish for anything other than panfish. Yeah, even panfish, panfish, man. We a couple of times we got skunked on that. No, know? but I mean panfish. You know, you just set up a slip bobber and you're in the game. You know what I mean? Right. You know what's one thing that we did tie into a couple of times today and never got was gar. How many times? Two or three times we had a gar. Yeah, on. I actually had a gar like on the hook, but you can't really like Jim was saying. You can't really set a gar. No, their teeth are just. They're just real tiny teeth and real bony well, mouths. They, and, yeah, that's the thing. That mouth is like trying to like snap. It's like trying to set a hook in a two by four. Yeah. You so know? If, if you mouth hook a gar and you get it in the boat, like you actually got pretty lucky. Yeah. I think. Oh, that's why they use those rope lures because they can't untangle from them and stuff. Yeah. I was hoping he was going to pull that one in because that was going right. We we're going to save that for the trash fish. Yeah. Fish fry. He wasn't very big. I've never caught a gar. Either have I. I was telling him that. I caught a gar at uh, Rock <coughs> Creek. Did you? Yeah. And I, I just. We it's one of those fish that you there too. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you ever hear that story? No. I'll tell that story after the gar story about it. So I caught this gar. This was probably all the same year, actually. And uh, I grabbed its body, and I was just so scared to death of its mouth. Because, I mean, have you ever held a gar, like, up close? No. Their teeth are just very intimidating. Well, it they looks like you up pretty good, you know? Well, I mean, he's not going to, like, you know, like, he's not. No, but, I mean, all those little teeth could rip off oh, yeah. a good layer. But they're like, whoa, you know, like, I swam in this thing, you know, like. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, I might have not been the same year, but this is back when we were working at Deer, and uh, I was casting a quarter-ounce jig right on this rock wall. Right, if, if you go to Rock Creek, everybody's fished this wall. Yep. And uh, picked up a picked up a big-ass walleye. I mean, this was the biggest walleye I've ever seen in person. And I'm, I've got four-pound test. Yeah, I think you were there for this. Yeah, I was there. You were. You guys were downstream. Yeah. You guys were more towards the mouth. I remember seeing it flopping on shore, and I was like, Jesus. Yeah, God, we, I was going to say, we were downstream. We watched that whole thing happen. I thought you were like, but not, not like all the way downstream, but I mean like downstream of me. We watched you catch that fish. But so I dragged this thing up on shore, and I didn't have a net, so I'm just trying to drag it up on shore. Lightly. No drag. You didn't have drag set. No, I did. I definitely did have my drag set. Oh no, you sit there and you, you torque that drag down. Make sure this stuff doesn't pull out. No, but so I I grab the line by hand and I'm dragging this thing up on shore, and I'm like, holy shit! Look at this walleye; it's freaking huge. Yeah. And it of course flops off my jig, and wiggles its way back into the water. What a stupid way to do that! Yeah, it, but then I, but that, I didn't have a net. 
But like a week later, they caught a state record at the mouth of that. Yeah. Yeah. The week, yeah. I'm convinced that was the same fish because I was like, geez, what was that? That was a gigantic fish. It was was the biggest walleye I've ever seen. Yeah. That that would have been, oh, that would have been great to keep. You know, like if I caught that today, that would have been great to keep. You know. oh, oh, definitely. State record. I would have kept that for sure. Hey, speaking of records real quick, let me just throw this out there. It's not Midwest news, but I think that some of these records are getting a little ridiculous, but I want to say this. In Texas, they caught a world record 12-pound test class world record. Does that make sense to you when I say just said there? Yeah. Geez, it's, it, you're right. They are getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, just tell me what the biggest one is. The first time something happens, of course, it's going to be Wait, a world dude. record. You know? Okay, so like they I'm have sorry, different. You've got to explain this. They have different line classes. So, like, for instance, there's a world record muskie caught on a fly rod, you know? And they talk about all these different, like, pound tests, six, eight, 10, 12, whatever. So, in the 12-pound class, she just caught a 12-pound line. How big was that? Large mouth. 12 pounds, three ounces she caught and broke the world record on 12-pound test only. 12-pound test. Oh, you mean a 12-pound test caught a 12-pound, three-ounce fish? That's a, so she she officially has a new world record on a 12-pound test class. So This was also the world record for the fastest time I've driven here on a Sunday when it's 83 degrees outside in May. Uh, during a hangover. <laughs> yeah. May yeah. 7th during a hangover. Just like every day of the NBA you hear like, oh, you know, so and so made history, and it's like he's got the most three pointers in the third quarter. It's like who who cares? You know, <laughs> yeah. like do you think Michael Jordan was like, well, I hold the biggest, I hold the most dunks in a quarter contest? Like, no, who cares? You know, those are those are minor records. I just know? thought it was silly. Well, I saw the headline was new world record largemouth. I'm like, oh, I got to look into this. Yeah, I'm curious about this. That's I'm surprised Dude, it didn't make it on the local pounds, news. Twelve pounds is a large, large. That is a mouth. giant largemouth. I so I give her all the credit in the world. I just think mm-hmm. that an only child was the. Was, you know what? I caught this big fish. It's got to be a record somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, me and Evan last year caught two of those giant largemouth. Remember seeing the picture of that guy? Yep. Caught a musky fishing. But we we looked, if you just take the length chart, these were nine pound largemouth. And like we just couldn't believe we're holding these things up and they were like this big. We're like, wow, are these big largemouth? They were hitting yeah. musky lures, you know? Yeah. Speaking of world records, you want to talk about your thing real quick? Yeah. I was gonna just do that as my segment. Bush light belly. So obviously you gave me some homework to look up some world record. We were musky. sitting around drinking beer and then like I forget how we even got on this. And we're both like, What? So Get a beer. So I drank forty-five dollars worth of beer last night. You probably drank three hundred. <laughs> right? What was your tab before we go into this record thing? What was your tab uh, last night for beers? I don't know. I mean, I, if you had to take a guy so much, I probably spent hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks on beer. Probably it's twenty bucks a beer. Where was that? United Center. Oh, okay. It was twenty bucks a beer. Yeah, it was fifteen bucks a beer at this place. The lady told me that. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? All right. Anyway, yeah. let's get into anyway, this record thing. So. With world record muskies, there's kind of a common theme is everybody wants to claim the world record. Um, so I was actually Me I found, included. Yeah. So like I found this uh, organization that who who caught the, the title of the whole article is who caught the world's largest muskie. Even the experts don't agree. Um, so we, it goes. Oh, I was gonna say, and this came across like we're like we were having a couple of beers, just bullshitting about something else, and then that's when this came up, and we we're both like, what? Well, because some um, some people factor in different things. Some people factor in the the longest muskie, you know, the one with the most length. Some factor in the uh, weight. What? Yeah, I say weight's a big one. I think one. it's purely about weight, but weight is a way more controversial measurement. So, see, I think length. I said just go by length. So, yeah. come to find out that Louis Spray does 
actually does not hold the world record per se. So they actually put together all these um, all these state records for from all the like, different areas in the Great Lakes and everything. And so here they are. In Illinois, the state record is 38 pounds, 8 ounces, caught in 2002. You realize that's like half the size of Louis Sprays. Yeah. Uh, in Indiana. In Indiana's got a lot of muskie. Darren, Darren Conley caught a 42-pound, 8 ounces in 2002, same year say, as Illinois. Did they say where he caught that in Indiana? No. Does it say? Oh, okay. It doesn't say. Man, if that was over by Lake Webster or Barbie Chain or whatever that was called over there, yeah. then, man, I would not. Or not, uh, Tippy Canoe. Was it Tippy Canoe Chain? Tippy Canoe, yeah. So this this is just a chart for just the areas around there. Um, Michigan has Joe Seaburger caught a 58-pound, 59-inch in 2012. Uh, Minnesota, Nolan, Nolan S. caught a 55-pound, 14-ounce, 57.75 inches in 2021. So that one's pretty recent. That's a good fish. And then this is the one that actually would technically take the world record. Is New York Arthur Lawton sixty nine pounds fifteen ounces at sixty four point five inches in nineteen fifty seven? I know, but that's bigger in every way. That's bigger. So yeah. how is it not the record? Did they say why it's not the record? Uh, so because it's, it's obviously nineteen fifty seven and nobody's really around anymore. Somebody, some people speculate that they were fudging the numbers a little bit. Oh, you think? Or like dumping. Uh, some, sometimes they force water into fish's mouths, down them to make them weigh more. There so, was some controversy around Louis Sprays. Like, yeah. They say Cal Johnson has the unofficial world record. So, yeah, there's a lot of controversy in the muskie fishing world. But as as the record books go, this is the technically the world record. So that one was caught, the one in New York was caught in 57? 1957, yes, sir. Yeah, Louis Spray was 1949. Yeah, Ohio so, is Joe Likens, 55.13 pounds, 50.25 inches, and 72 Ontario, Ken O'Brien caught a 65-pounder, 58 inches in 1988. So how come that's not the world record? Or no, 69, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, it's, I'm it's thinking 64 a, inches. Yeah, it was a 65-pounder. It was a big, fat fish, but it's only 58 inches. Oh, I should say that only 58 inches. Pennsylvania. God, I would still... You guys would have... To, every conversation we ever had for the rest of our lives, you guys, that fish would come up at some point. Oh, I know. Man, <laughs> I'd buy, I'd I'd buy a cigars if I caught a 45 tomorrow. Oh, I know, for sure. You know? Oh, Bill, that's old news. He doesn't even bother with the yeah, little one. Bill, right. Bill, what are you at? 52 is your record? <laughs> no, no, no. 46. 46. 46. I'm a 44. I'm easily 44 is my biggest. 41 and a half. Pennsylvania, Louis Walker Jr. is 64 pound, 3 ounce, uh, 57 inches in 1924. And last but not least, Wisconsin, Louis Spray, 69 pounds, 11 ounces at 63 and a half inches. My man. And he stopped in to warm up in the Little Red Bar, baby. Yep. The old Little Red Bar. That's one of my favorite places in the world to have a beer. Yeah. So little Red Bar. on a different podcast, uh, they went into the details of that record, and I think that was 100% fudged. Uh, the thing is, is like a lot of them are. But I want to so back back to the New York one. Did, do you have any like specific details why it's not? Just because people said that, you know, um, there was the, this guy went into some. He did some research into it, but the uh, article doesn't say. Um, ba, ba, ba. I just it find it amazing that I've never heard of this. Yeah, you know, like even like Cal Johnson, the unofficial. I think I've it's because we're so focused on like up north you know because that one was caught in the st lawrence river so yeah but i mean that's still kind of up north and yeah. I, we're just not east coasters right you know it's not kind of an yeah. east coast thing uh but i don't know i just feel like that would have come up at some point man yeah, I would hate for that it's gonna be to the east coast it's gonna be really hard to take the world record muskie away from uh the place that's got a giant muskie in their town 
Oh yeah, the Midwest in general. I just don't want to see it leave the Midwest. Screw New York. I think it was fudged. One hundred percent. I think all of those records were fudged. But everyone's got a little story that knows a guy that knows a guy that knows a yeah, guy. We'll never it, truly know. All of that stuff is very circumstantial in terms of evidence, but yeah, we'll, ne- we'll never really, really know. But like, uh, I could, I could see Louis Spray not not being realistic. But like, it's just the fact that this thing is like exists and it doesn't have it. We don't even talk about it, you know. Well, yeah. Here's uh, Cal Cal Johnson was well known and prolific outdoor writer. Um, he worked as editor. Um, so, but, on, on, on July 24th, 1949, Johnson claimed to have caught a 67-pound, 8-ounce muskie on an island near Hayward. Photos were taken. Witnesses watched the weigh-in, and Johnson submitted his catch as a new world record. Uh, before Field and Stream was able to complete the verification of his application, um, an even larger muskie was caught. So that was Louis Sprays. Louis Sprays. But that was later, because like, he caught his on October 19th, I think. October 20th, yeah. 20th. 1949. And so, but you're saying Cal Johnson caught his like a month earlier. Yeah, he caught his in, let's say in Talk July. Talk a little more on that, Mike. It's saying July 24th. He caught it two months before, three months That's before. quite a ways. Yeah. I wonder what took them so long to finish an application. You know? Yeah. So you think about that story that just happened. What was that, October? We got weights and fish, that story. Yeah. Their, their, their day's coming, by the way, like soon. Um, you just wonder, th- there's lots of people who have no problem, and especially back in the 40s and 50s. They've got no problem packing this thing with sand. They don't care. You know what I mean? There's no, like to them, it wasn't a precious record. To them, it was just a number. You know what I mean? So, but Louis Spray caught what, two in his day, right? Uh, three. Three. Three record fish in his day. That's the name of the book, John, John Detloff's book. Yeah, John's in that article too. The other thing that kind of makes yeah. me mad, um, like I like John Detloff. He's a really good dude. And I, I hope he listens to the podcast. But like you say... You know, you go up to a resort, and I'm not saying John so much, but if you owned a resort, would you tell fishermen, nah, dude, there's no world record out there? You know what I mean? Because yeah. then everybody would be like, oh, you know, and <laughs> you're right. Um, but the thing is, is, there is a world record there. So I don't, why would he know? No, 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 like out there right now, swimming around. Oh, I've, never, I've only ever heard that in the Chippewa Lodge. I've never heard anybody saying, oh, we got a record fish out there. No, 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 but like, oh, I'm willing to bet the next record's out there right now. Oh, you know, that kind of yeah. Like, I personally yeah. don't think so. I don't think there's anything I don't think so even either. twenty within twenty pounds of the record out there right now. Uh the biggest thing is the only reason why not is not, has nothing to do with the lake. It just has to do with the fact that muskie aren't that big of a fish in regular circumstances. They're genetic freaks when they get over 50, 55 inches. They're genetic freaks. So that thing know? would have to go uncaught from like fifty. All the way to the world record size. I forget yeah. exactly the age groups. Remember, I did that episode on muskie last summer, but it was like a a forty eight inch fish is like eighteen years old, you know. So you're telling me a, a sixty four? I mean, are they in their thirties? You know, are they you know having midlife crises? I don't know. <laughs> Those going I, through one. Ide- identifying as different fish. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> identifying. I'm now I a walleye. <laughs> I'm not. I'm now I a big ass walleye. walleye. <laughs> I identify as a sturgeon. You I caught the world record muskie. Actually, actually, he identified as a walleye. I've been using the walleye bathroom. All right. Anyway, so you want to talk about finesse, right, Pat? Yeah, I, I, I want to hear we where you're see going. see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, we can go somewhere else. No, I want to hear what you, where you're going with it because you were so hot. To, I had a different thing we were going to talk about. You're like, no, 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 we're going to talk about this. No, I was just a suggestion, and you were like, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how I was? No, but you know. <laughs> 
Not exactly. So go ahead and lead the conversation on it. So, okay, when I say finesse, right? So obviously Jim knows all about finesse. It is something that he never woke up and said, you know what? Now I've got finesse. You know what I mean? But with fly fishing, you obviously need finesse, right? Um, Bill's got finesse. Like when it it comes to a lot of things that we used to work together on at work, like he's got finesse too. Yeah, and you could tell like when you work with people like, you know, with what we do. Like there's some people who are real rammy, bang, bang, bang. And then there's other people who just... Do it nice and softly, and they get it. Well, I worked with right guys. I've worked with guys that every job there's a hammer and a pry bar. Mm-hmm. All right, and then I, but me personally, I can go all week without swinging a hammer at something. Remember, if you, you can't know? fix it with a hammer, you've got an electrical problem. <laughs> but uh, but no. I've worked with guys where everything, no matter what the job is, they could be installing a windshield, and there's a little ball peen sitting there. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know. No, I know guys like that too. But finesse in in our context for us means like you know for fishing especially. Like when you're jigging, you could just be sitting there ripping your jig, crank, 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 rip, crank, crank, crank. That might work in some circumstances, but it's not going to work the other 95% of the time, yeah, right? You got you to gotta have the touch. So I feel like when you're out there, the thing that you're learning is where your finesse is at for where you're at, right? You could be as rough as you want with sharks, but not with bass. You know what I mean? Nah, so that's still be pretty tough on bass. No, I'm I'm just saying like when you're when you're moving your lure, like when you're jigging, when you're oh, cranking. Yeah. Like there's a lot of finesse in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest thing, like the one thing I was gonna say for one is starting uh, we were gonna start with because we were we were talking about the one guy we fish with that casts really hard and breaks lures off all the time. Oh, forget who that is. And then but then like we were casting Pat was using my rod today, and he's like, Man, this thing just casts so perfect. Like it was just like the lure was weighted to the rod or the reel, everything was just right. Phew, I- there was just like a little flick of a wrist, and it was 120 feet out there, a little rattle trap. Yeah. You know? That that specific rod has a great range in terms of like weights, you know, like small weights, right? You're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, only a half ounce or whatever, but um, you can throw a three, you can throw an eighth ounce jig, and you can throw a rattler all with the same rod, and it casts almost the same way. Mm-hmm. But the, you know the biggest I mean? thing though is like you take a guy that aggressively casts, he goes no further than I do, if not shorter, you know. But with my finesse. And with uh, all the different ways you hold the line, you know, you let the line off on a spinning reel and stuff yeah. like that. It's just this little lob and it, it just flies out there. It's effort. I'm not tired at the end of the day. Right. So one little finesse angle, which is what kind of planted this seed was when I was casting that rod in particular, I was experimenting with where I lay the rod on my finger and how, and how much tension you I put on You mean the line. The, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Where I, where I lay the line on my finger, you know, it's a spinning reel, so you have to hook it with your finger. Mm-hmm. And I was experimenting with where you lay the line and how hard you hook it. And that has a lot to do with the finesse of your cast because there's a little at the end of your cast. So if you're hooking it real hard, you might shank it right into the ground. Yeah. It's you funny. Know, I feel right like I, the, not, I never even thought of that. I just, you know, I'm like, I, I know exactly where it lands. It's like right on the tip of my finger. Well, it's all every time. Like, like the ball on my fingerprint. That's what holds my line. It's yeah. a little ball on my finger. My, mine, mine's a little further north of that, I would say. I, you, I was, I was like, doing it with the ball on my <laughs> finger, and then I started doing it with the knuckle and just opening up my finger a little bit more, and I had more control. When was the last time you fished with Bill? Oh, boy. It's been a while, right? Uh, Bill no, is, no. Didn't we go fishing two years ago? We're in. Didn't you hop in my boat two years ago in Hayward? Yeah, well, I think I did. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I wanted to go. Ago. I wanted to ride out in the Lumacraft. Oh, so, but anyway... Bill is by far the best. If you give him, if you give him a five and a half foot, six foot Saint Croix ultralight with a Shimano reel and a Meps number or whatever that is, three or five or whatever number three, yeah. And then there is nobody better at casting that setup. The like the actual accuracy and the finesse it takes. He is the best caster I know. Uh, that was that. a Fluger reel too. 
But oh, was it really? Yeah. I thought you had a Spyrex. Oh, my other rod's a Spyrex. Oh, okay. That, that's my my regular spinning is a Spyrex. But, but you got to watch him. Patty opens it and then it's, it's like throwing darts, and it, it it drops in little holes like this. And, and it, it, every time he's he is the best at that. We'll go out. We'll go out next weekend. But I was it, I, I could do like throwing darts, Pat. I do that all the time. Like, uh, you know, I cast a lot of eighth ounce jigs. It's yeah. Kind of like it's it's my thing when nothing else is working. You know what I mean? And uh, there's this rock that was hanging out of the water, and I was trying to hit it. And I, you know, most of the time you get it to bloop right on top of the mm-hmm. rock, and it's like from 20 feet out, that takes a lot of finesse. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, no. When I was thinking of this topic, I was thinking, you know, I'm trying to put this in like a tip of fishing kind of thing, and you run into a lot of people who are real rammy. They whip it out there, they rip it back, and then they rip it out there again. We always make fun of like the the setting the hook on a bass and the bass masters the oh, way they I do know. it. But like for instance, when I got bit off today, like to me, it's a little twitch of the the wrist. It's yeah. not some big event, you know. You've seen those guys when they, oh yeah, they set the hook. It's like they're setting the hook on a on a great, on a great white, shark. yeah, <laughs> jinx. <laughs> but uh, no, I was just thinking in terms of like if I had to give one person a tip about fishing or whatever with finesse, you mean? No, I'm I'm just saying my tip in fishing right now because I still haven't figured it out. You know, because this is something that develops where you're at, what you're fishing for, what time of the year, all that stuff, is that you have to find this level of finesse in terms of how you work your lure, um, how you feel the bottom, how you, you know, you know what I mean? Like you, all, I always ask myself, hey, what's the speed that I should be cranking this MEP spinner at? You yeah, you I mean? were zinging your lures today. Yeah. Sometimes um, you just get a little carried away. That's what I'm saying. Like my tip for fishing is, you know, forget about the lures, forget about the rods, the kayaks, all that crap. Just get your finesse. But like, give me more of a specific example when you mean that finesse in what? Like, give me an example. So of you, something. You, you cast it out there. I don't even care about your cast. When you're pulling it back, what are you trying to do? There's finesse in how fast you jig, how hard you jig, how much. I don't know you if jig. that's finesse though. It definitely is. I don't know how to put it into words, but it's you know, especially like, let's just say you're throwing a buzz bait, you know. You see videos of these guys. They just they whip it out there. They crank it as fast as they can, a million miles an hour. Yeah. And then when it gets, you know, maybe 10, 15 feet back, they just go real fast and they pick it up. And it's like they're not really taking their time. Now I understand that a buzz bait is a really aggressive bait, and you want to trigger that, you know, that that uh, I don't know what you want to say, like a feeding aggression and yeah, whatever you're fishing just a strike, for. yeah, um, aggression strikes. But at some point, you kind of want to like. Maybe take slow it down a little bit. Well, like, like for instance, I only buy for the most part. I only buy those booyah buzz baits mm-hmm. with that little clacker blade on there. Yeah. But like, if I crank real fast, that lure actually instead of the the jiggy part with the skirt down, it starts riding up more and more like right. this. Right. But like when I leave this down, this is pulling against that blade and it's plop plop plop. The other one just says, yeah. you know, but I went plop 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 plop. But so like I could see what you mean, kind of finesse in that. You kind of got to feel, feel that speed. You know, too slow is I no guess good. I'm just saying, like, the mindset of being more in control of what you're doing yeah. is the finesse that I'm trying to so talk about. So you're not even talking about finesse. You're just talking about not being rammy. Yeah. Or, you know, knowing what you're doing and know, and trying to figure out what your power level should be. For instance, there's finesse in just walking through the woods during hunting season. Oh, big time. You can't big just time. ram right through there and hop up in your tree and go, huh, and then wait for your deer. There's, you know, you got to, you know, walk in slowly and, you know, make sure you're not crunching that twig. Now, sometimes I run right through there, not even thinking about what I'm doing. By the way, hunting's easy. You get like, you, I got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how to do it. Please. Right. I want to hear this. Just, just drive over, you know, the creek that we go to all the time. There's always deer over there. Yeah. Just, just go get them. 
Go, yeah, when nobody's around, they just jump out in front of the car, right? Yeah. Remember that comedian did a skit on that? Yeah. I'm driving my van 55 miles an hour. I jump out. Yeah, it's easy. You guys go out there 3 o'clock in the morning, freezing. Yeah, just, you know, tape some arrows to your hood. Some of those mornings are cold. But, uh, no, the one thing with finesse we were talking about, like, uh, the one, like, even Bill, Bill's been in the creek with me enough. The one thing is coming up on a spot, the amount of finesse you need to not spook fish. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned this by fishing that little creek. You're like, oh, look at that big bass. He already made you. You're already, you're already done. Yeah. Like, he's already got you figured out that something's going on that's not right. And, but how would you sneak up on that? I wasn't, I wasn't gentle enough with the situation to like move up on him. But how about it? How many times have you seen a big ass smallmouth and you're like, oh, and he's not interested. He's yep. already figured you out. Yep. He saw you coming from a long way off. I just, I, I guess if I was trying to explain fishing to an alien, uh, I would be trying to explain finesse. In Tell terms him to take of, up golf instead. <laughs> but there's a lot of finesse. I, you know what I mean? Like this, this can go in like a million different directions. But yeah. I'm just saying like, there's, there's the thing that you have to relearn every year. It's not like riding a bike is the finesse angle of retrieving your baits, casting, all of that stuff. Oh, there's a lot of touch and specific touch. Yeah, That's touch, what I mean. Like touch. Well, like for instance, just like uh, for fly fishing, there's so many different ways to cast, you know, as long as you get it out there. But like you can wear yourself out or you could just do it nice and easy, you know. And that's all kind of like the finesse, but that's what you got to learn. Like when you're doing it, you're like, okay, well, there, a lot of wasted motion here. So I'm going to, you know, come down with it, you know, with my wrist. I'm going to flip my wrist at this section instead of pulling my whole shoulder back. What are you smiling at? <laughs> I'm thinking of one thing when you think about finesse. I think about like the opposite. And I don't know if you're, I know your dad listens, but I, I'm trying to get my column out here, but your dad getting into a boat. Oh, no finesse in that. <laughs> there, there, there is no finesse in that. <laughs> That's a controlled by crash, you know. It's a cowabunga. <laughs> yeah, so most of us just step off the dock, right, onto like something, and then we stand there, not him. It's like, all right, everybody st- hold still. And then kaboom, and, and everything goes flying. There's a yeah. couple of rods. <laughs> yeah, there's always a tackle box. But it's, it's very interesting because this finesse thing can't be taught. You can explain it. It's in the person for sure. But you got to learn it yourself. Yeah. 100%. You know what? I, I actually have a little equation for, uh, Your not an equation, but like an experiment. If you want to find out if somebody has finesse or not, hand them a screwdriver. Hand them a screwdriver and watch how they hold it. I hold a screwdriver at my fingertips. When yeah. things get serious, I grab it. It's in my palm. You know, somebody that palms it right away. That's a good... I'm telling you, I, I, I know it sounds terrible. Somebody that palms it right away is not a good example of finesse. Yeah, like, for instance, like, I could pick this up like this, yeah. you know? Like, I'm good with my fingertips. Bill's excellent with his, you know? But somebody that goes like this, you know, and picks it up with the palm, I'm telling you, that hand somebody a screwdriver and watch the way they hold it. Or a car door. You How know? to close a car door. Yeah. Oh, definitely a car door. I don't know what that's all about. But, like, for instance, a pair of pliers here, like... I could like this is how I this is how I like first grade players just like this yeah. and my fingertips I you know got them in between somebody that does this they tell you everything you need to know you know but I'm telling you hand somebody a screwdriver you want to find out about their finesse hand them a screwdriver or a paintbrush paintbrush that's another one yeah because yeah. like when I give it to Kel like when she goes to paint something you could either give her a paintbrush or a super soaker and you get the same result at the end of it <laughs> you know I. I love my fiance dearly, and she is amazing and a beautiful light in my life. However, Get the way she there. holds a paintbrush scares the crap out of me. Yeah, but that's a good example. If, if somebody holds it just, yeah. 
Well, that, you, you hold it with your fingertips, then you brush lightly. You know, she grabs it, and of course, you people can't see this, but she grabs it like this. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like you're gonna shank somebody. Yeah, but I've just I, the different mechanics I've worked with at work. The ones that are really finessed and they're, they're very good with their hands, they grab it like a surgeon. They just kind of use their fingertips, you know. There's other guys that that thing is right down in the meat hooks, man. You you know. So I, I guess what I'm what what led me to this topic today was is I'm trying to explain that finesse is the skill more than knowing what to use and when and where. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, I would agree. Definitely, you can uh, you can use the same lure and get different results out of somebody that's not doing something. You know, for instance, rattle trap. Like me and Pat, we were fishing those rattle traps. We were just kind of switching, rowing, and we were using the same rods. So yeah. whatever what was left on there. But Pat Constant retrieves his rattle traps. I jig them, you know. Those hellhounds for musky, those are those are a high finesse lure. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Those gotta, are fun. Yeah. The, the way right I use one of those, those is left, 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 left. <laughs> Jim's is left, right, left, right, left. Yeah, Jim's right. has got a nice even yeah. swim to yeah, it. They miss them now, man. Me, they just, might, just glides right through fouls. Left, 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 straight, <laughs> left, yeah. straight, <laughs> upside down, sideways. So that was the one thing. The one thing I was going to talk about we could bring up next week is, uh, unless you get, do you have any other ideas that you want to bounce off of? Because we might have to, you and me might have to meet in the middle of the week or something, or we're going to have to do this Sunday night again. Are you on days or nights mm. this week? Nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. The other thing, I will talk, but I thought about bringing this to do some sort of live thing at the, the old white bass run. Yeah. Bring know, it up. Talk about it at least. Yeah. Um, but topics for the next one. I was going to, so the one thing I was going to say, is I was going to do what fish spawn in the spring, you know, and that's what we were going to talk about today. And then, but you had a couple other ideas of things you want to talk about. You were talking about verses. You really like the verses. I like the verses. I'm just having a hard time going from here. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, what else could we do with verses on? We could do anything we want on verses. Like, we could do bush light versus bud light. We could do, you know what I mean? Like, we could do, we could take verses anywhere we want. It doesn't have to be fishing. Jim versus not have Pat. To be fishing. Yeah, no, I get it. But I like Jim versus Pat. How's that? Oh, that's Ooh, easy. Jim about, is handsome. Uh, Pat looks like my foot. <laughs> Jim's no. handsome. Pat looks like my foot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Pat, Pat's it's a very a lot accurate statement. Feet. You've got ugly feet. I man. got ugly feet, Pat. That's why I said that because I knew Colin Bill always make fun of my Who feet. Who has pretty feet? I don't know, but supposedly mine are ugly. They I are. keep hearing it. I got finger toes. They're like six inch long toes. And they're oh, I'm the opposite, man. I've got little nubs. <laughs> but anyway, when it comes to verses, we could do anything we want with this. Ooh, so more towards hunting season, we should do a. Verses and releases. That's gonna be boring. That can be boring. And releases. It's uh, yeah, like you know, for letting go of the arrow. Like that, we could that we could make it out a segment. That's another. You know? That's another thing that has a lot of finesse. Uh yes. When it comes, yeah, the finesse thing crosses over in a lot of aspects. Oh yeah. But anyway, think of some uh, think of some topics. I was just gonna drop one here. That's all. If you if you had one off the top here, did you have anything like verses or any other topics that you were thinking about? You always talk about doing different things on the podcast. So I don't know if you had something that you wanted to bring up here. We know what we should talk about. We should talk about this. We should talk about that. Anything? Um, I'm trying to think maybe something uh, difference between you know like if you were to do a. I mean, we kind of did it with Fishy Phil with uh, the pros and cons of smoking and smokers. Um, Fishy Phil kind of pretty much covered up on all of those. You know, uh, he, he gave a really and, good rundown of yeah. different types. Well, yeah, he did he his good. homework. He came prepared, he man. Did. He came he prepared. He had Excel spreadsheets and charts did, Yeah, he and did graphs. it. It was all on his phone, right? I think yeah. it was funny. Yeah. Even he said, I came more prepared than Pat usually does or something yeah. like that. And he's yeah. right. And he's right. I was laughing. 
Uh, anyway, we'll figure it out later. Just then. like so your know- best man speech. I didn't come prepared for that, but that's what makes me me. <laughs> yeah, late. He's late and he's not unprepared. That's, that's what makes Pat Pat. <laughs> prepared mentally, though. Yes. All right, so that's it. We're going to wrap this up. Any last thoughts? Anything? Anything? No, Bueller? just Bueller? wish us luck for the white bass and walleye up there. Yeah, and uh, no drinking, though, right? We're not doing any beer this weekend? No beer? Uh, Bueller? Bueller? I'm not going to drink anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to drink any less. All right, with that, have a good week, everybody. Thanks. Thank you.